0: And welcome to episode six of the SAPchat podcast. I'm your host, Jaron Mayne. I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Barry Maybank. Barry has been driving change and impact through the adoption of advanced technologies for the last thirty years, occupying a variety of leadership roles from Chief Digital Officer, Head of Manufacturing, Chief Technology Officer, and Head of Professional Services. He's worked across most industry verticals, but with a real focus on manufacturing and telecommunications. And starting his career as a software engineer in aerospace. At the time of recording this, in May twenty twenty one, Barry is the Chief Digital Officer at the Manufacturing Technology Centre based in the UK. Hi and welcome to the podcast, Barry. Hi, Jaron. How are you doing? I'm really, really well, and thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you freeing up the time to be on the SAPJet podcast. Now, I was just in the intro, you started off life as a software engineer in aerospace. That sounds a lot more exciting than my starting life working for NatWest Bank. Um, How how, how did that come about?
1: (laughs) Depends how you look at it, doesn't it? I mean, I'm (laughs) sure there's there's exciting bits in NatWest Bank, right, as well. Yeah, so I, um, I mean, I got into computer science at an early age, um, as it were at school, actually, in the sixth form and sort of followed that into into university. Um, and, and actually, I took up a job uh, in in Cheltenham, actually, for a company called Smith Industries as a graduate engineer, uh, now part of GE Avionics, a mm-hmm. really nice part of the world to be in. And an exciting area, you know. They're into head-up displays and things like that. So it's quite sort of contemporary, actually, as well. So yeah, an engineer, software engineer, working with a mechanical electronic engineer. So we got a real sort of system view of the world. But uh, it was a good time uh, to sort of start my career, and actually, it really instilled a lot of discipline. Uh, you can imagine building aircraft systems, control mm. systems for for both military uh, and commercial sort of civil aviation. You got sort of a really you know, quite quite detailed, quite quite rigorous methodology, etc. Which is the, some of the principles have carried through my career as well. But yeah, an exciting place to start.
0: And so in terms of, you know, what we, we were discussing and, and what prompted the podcast really was all around digitalization in, in supply chain and manufacturing. I know your background has been predominantly manufacturing and telecommunications, and it is being, you know, through, through the pandemic and leading before that, a lot of focus on the whole, you know, visibility of supply chain digitalization. But in that, there's a lot of... Um, buzzwords floating around and a lot of challenges for customers about where do they start how do they make sense of that i mean what's your what's your take on on where we are at the moment
1: i mean a lot's been said already isn't it <clears throat> sort of post, post well we're in pandemic aren't we still but 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 sort of post pandemic and it's kind of interesting you know you say manufacturing i, I i've been in sort of industrial context for, for quite a number of years from Aerospace, uh, into system integrator consultancy organisations in mm. telco, uh, and into manufacturing. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? The boundaries are blurring between sectors, right? You know, yeah. very yeah. much manufacturing is being powered by telco, right? We're sort mm. of seeing five G come in. So I think there's a lot of things going on, a lot of pivots already happening in manufacturing, right? I think they're already starting to look at and adopt different ways of working, next gen capabilities, if you like. The pandemic and all that's sort of surrounded it has only really accelerated that. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting times, isn't it? You know, we're sort of seeing we've seen massive surges in um, across manufacturing sectors, you know, from life sciences, the obvious yep. high sort of points of surge, if you like, and then the lower points. You know, we mentioned aerospace. Civil aerospace is uh, is a little bit flat at the moment, so they're all going through different sort of challenges in different shapes and forms. But I think there's there's, there's been a wider backdrop as well of um, you know market changes, sort of market of one. You know, we're seeing real need for specialization of product, for example, in certain mm. areas, and that's across sector. I mean, I'm sort of seeing it. If you think about aerospace and defence, the new Tempest program, mm. the, the the model is going to be very much about market of one, about an export model first, so low low numbers, Mm -hmm. real specialization configuration for a particular market. So there's all sorts of macro trends kind of going on. I think it's only served to drive and accelerate the need for, you know, heavy heavy automation, I'm talking about robotics and automation. But digital underpins that, doesn't it, and data's at the heart of that. And I think we're seeing a lot of accelerated demand, uh, you know, for digital interventions. I mean, just a couple of examples, you know, you mentioned supply chain. Well, even if you're in a high growth area, let's say the life sciences, you know, where there's massive, you know, spike demand. There are significant challenges because the global supply chain has has often been broken and impacted. So so actually we're seeing a lot of um, digital interventions, for example, simulation and moving into digital twin of the supply chain and how we might rebalance things, if you like, across production facilities and then the local supply around that. So there's all sorts of, you know, demand uh, happening and challenges happening. And I think, you know, it's the pivotal time, really, for digital capabilities, automation capabilities. And we heard banners like industrial, you know, Industry 4, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're all on the continuum, aren't they? If you look at an SME, There might be an industry three, right? If you're another organization, there might be an industry five. So, you know, we're all on this sort of continuum. It's really how do we start and how do we kind of get into it and really move beyond the POC as well, really, Jaren.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point because I remember going to see SAP at an event, oh, I don't know, it must have been four or five years ago, industry, you know, 4.0 was, you know, uh, uh, up on the the agenda and then there was, uh, you know, digital twin displays and it looked really funky and it looked really great. But, of course, they were uh, demos at the time. I mean, they were real-life demos and, and they were working, uh, you know, prototypes but but the reality was you were walking away from them thinking, this is fantastic, this is the future, but, but there's a gap. There's a gap between where we are today and where we're going to be in the future, and actually what's going to encourage uh clients to to make that step what's going to encourage them to make the move and actually more importantly some of the clients that i'm speaking to are saying that's all very well but how do i put this into some kind of roadmap what i don't want to do is adopt the technology and then fine i've got a mishmash of everything now obviously sap's answer is well you know we're, we're we're kind of walled garden and if you you know you buy from us that will that will ensure that you've got some kind of um and underwriting or surety in the future but i mean are you now seeing those clients actually starting to readily adopt the technology and accept it as standard um and how are they overcoming some of those challenges about fitting it into some kind of roadmap
1: yeah i mean it's um it, it's a key point isn't it that that adoption journey is kind of key i, I don't think it matters who you are right you know in my current role as we're recording this, uh, Joe and I work for the High Value Manufacturing Catapult as Chief Digital Officer, and we work across sector. It's a broad church, right, manufacturing, yep. uh, as we know. Um, and actually, the supply chain is typically populated with with small, medium-sized companies, not just, that you know, the, we're not just talking about the big companies. So there's different adoption challenges, if you like. And I, mm. I often talk about... Um, you know there's a kind of inspire and awareness part of the journey there's there's accelerating adoption and there's a sort of scale part of the journey and we're all on different different sort of parts of that and actually we're sort of seeing in all organisations you know you know we need to kind of close the gap between engineering operations, you know manufacturing, you know technology we can't be working in silos so mm. there's a bit of a coalescing of of the value statement, if you like, and the sort of needs of those users and and obviously technology comes into play later on, right but yeah it's, a, yeah, yeah. it's more and more a significant part of the conversation kind of enabling that you know that transformation but you know I think you know I think we can all be. Bamboozled by the tech, and we can all be, <laughs> you know, hearing about the terms like digital twin. But we need to get get practical to start off with. And I mentioned, you know, people are sort of saying, "Well, yeah, we like the idea of a digital twin because if we could simulate." the real world, mm. and, and, and mimic it in the virtual world, w- w- wouldn't it be great? But but actually, what's the business case for that, and, and, and where do you start? So I'm seeing a lot of organizations, you know, taking, you know, think, thinking about the vision, but but starting in sort of real practical areas. I mentioned simulation, and we've been doing a lot of work with all organizations, actually, all sizes of organizations, starting to look at, you know, starting to look at bringing uh, simulation into their design process right so actually design of how they might scale up operations that's a real challenge today mm-hmm. isn't it you know we're Absolutely. seeing a scale up is a big challenge Yeah. and and how do you rebalance that 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 scale up as well as scaling up across mm-hmm. regions and supply chain And actually, you can't just afford to go into a capital X, you know, a capital heavy program of work where it's asset intense, where you don't really know the answer. So we've been doing a lot of work with organizations in terms of virtualizing their operations. So supporting the design with virtual capabilities and, and actually starting to look at proving out how they might scale things up, how they might rebalance things. So looking at the workforce looking at the operation of the process looking at the supply chain and it's a real you know there are real simple ways into that but it really answers things in a practical way and i talked to people then about well we can start to build this capability and deploy that and answer some of those questions in the here and now and really bring forward production and scale and validate that and actually that's starting to pave the way then for thinking about the wider digital twin if we've got that capability, if we can start to look at linking the data together to support that, we can then start to move into the use cases that support digital twin. So what does this mean in operation? So we're already getting into the minds of manufacturers the idea of a roadmap journey, but based on practical implementation and adoption and really linking into some of their business challenges. So I think there are ways and means of getting into roadmaps and journeys and articulating a vision, but we have to hook it into something that's the kind of here and the now and the practical I think as well, building on that, we can also get a little bit bamboozled into quick wins sometimes and <laughs> playing around the edges, if you know what I mean, yeah, Jaron. Yeah, no. And totally. you, you've got to do some of that, but you can get you can do a bit too much of that without thinking about the real problems. So, you know, I talk to, to, to clients about needing a kind of digital core if you like, because We need to plug the gaps. They need capabilities that they probably haven't got, and we need to kind of plug the gaps. And that enables us to scale because it's no good having a pocket of technology in a particular business function in one factory with a part of your supply chain. You need to scale beyond that, right? So there are capabilities you need beyond the new shiny and the pockets of functionality and the proof of
0: value. And I think that's a dichotomy of what's actually happening at the moment, because obviously SAP went to market with an S four uh product, as all our listeners will know, and you know, that the adoption of that wasn't, you know, immediate. We didn't have people running running at the doors of Clockhouse Place in the UK saying, sign me up. I think the, you know, as I've said many times, the value often has been further downstream in the te- digital technologies that it enables. But, but actually you know in order to handle that and we'll talk about this in a minute you're creating a huge wave of data now there's huge value in that data but you have to have a platform that can cope with that and that goes back to the notion that to be fair to sap they they talked about it in terms of a digital core but but you know you're creating all all of these all of these new technologies all of even if we look at a production line and manufacturer with sensor technology that's all data coming back into you know a core system that fundamentally has a huge amount of value, but clients need to be able to um understand what value that that brings them and how it, how to harness that, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's absolutely the case, isn't it? You know, we um we, we very much talk about, you know, um you know driving away sometimes manufacturers they don't know what they don't know, right? And like yeah. I say, you are yeah. designing products, you you're thinking about the operationalization mm. to support that design. So we're thinking about design for manufacture. There's a supply chain. And we mentioned some of the dynamics of that situation. You know, we mentioned, you know, market of one and specializations and all sorts of things. And if you flip that uh, into other industries, let's say the food industry, which is a mass production industry – you know the sort of challenge of the workforce. You know it's a heavily mm. intense workforce, and all of a sudden, social distancing means you mm. can't operate like that. And actually, a lot of the workforce, certainly in the UK, was was migrant, and and mm. and that's not no longer the case. So there's a lot of industries having to change, and a lot of industries thinking about. That sort of flexible core, so that 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 core is is essential, isn't it? Let's kind of build on that a little bit. You know, it has to be done for the right reasons. I mentioned bringing you know virtualization into the design process. As we get into the operational process, we're starting to think about uh, availability and efficiency of machinery and assets, mm. so we need to start to think about IoT, if you like, in, yep. in that kind of world. And as you say, Jeremy, you start to then co- you're starting to acquire that data, and how do you utilise it? Well, that core platform is, is key, isn't it? You've got your enterprise mm. systems. It's, it's, SAP is just one, isn't it? You know, absolutely, there's, there's yeah. many types of enterprise. Let's be honest with yeah, you. No, so absolutely, that heterogeneous nature means we need to be able to deploy things quickly and integrate the core quickly as well which gets into flexibility
0: and we should say, so we say a lot we should say a lot of clients are actually running multiple ERP systems oracle uh, sap mm, dynamics absolutely. all together that, that, you know
1: that, 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 that's the key isn't it you know yep, and and yep. it's a bit like on the on the production line mm. as we're into the operational processes within the core environment and also the suppliers that are supplying, you know, components, if you like, into that world. There's a lot of legacy machinery there, right? Let, let's be mm-hmm. honest. There's a lot of me- legacy machinery. So how do we converge IT and legacy OT and adapt and adopt it? So the the core needs to be more than just enterprise systems. It needs to be able to integrate different things, if you like, in the mix and, yeah. and cope with a different operating model and be dynamic as well. So you know, how do we deploy that quickly is, is is part of the mix. So a hybrid deployment model is also a fundamental sort of question, if you like, within the architecture that needs to be addressed. So it's great having a roadmap. You know, we alluded to that. Yep. But the roadmap needs to be more than just shiny technology. It needs to be bedded into real use cases across that value chain and, and, and real value. And actually, we need to, you know, a big... A, a, a big adoption challenge is, is I mentioned this before, is, is, is you know, is the business case. If we only ever serve one factory in one environment on one physical workforce, we're mm. really not going to see the value. Yep. So that core needs to be at the heart of what we're talking about to serve multiple factory environments to be mm. able to communicate and, and engage multiple suppliers possibly tens and hundreds and thousands of suppliers in quite a dynamic way so that's that's the world that we're moving to and that that core the platforms at the core are a fundamental part of that roadmap and the considerations
0: absolutely and, and i think the other thing is that you know there, there is now a an expectation by end customers that you know some of these things are available you know i was speaking to a farmer only the other day who had a, a a John Deere tractor that had broken down and his expectation was that you know with all of the tech now and the gps systems that allow him to spread you know fertilizer in a certain way in certain points of his field that if, he, if his tractor breaks down that you know with w- you know immediately the main dealer will know what the fault is and will tell him you know if he doesn't have the part uh, you know when when they're going to get it, and when's the engineer going to be on site to to fix it? And I think that's that's a, 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 an expectation now, or demand, if you like, coming off manufacturers and 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 suppliers that 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 up the game as well.
1: Yeah, it it, it totally is. We can just get stuck into um, driving productivity, right? Which is obviously mm. a fundamental part of, of what we want to do in the manufacturing world. But, it, but it's more than that, isn't it? You know, you, you, you know, there's there's lean. You know, lean processes have been out around a long time, and you will mm. have gone through lean exercises. I mean, digitalization, uh, automation is is much more than that, isn't it? And and actually, we're you know we're taking we're re envisioning how things should work. You know, I mentioned back to my, you know market of one. You mentioned your farmer. Well, there's an opportunity there. If if John Deere or whoever don't start to provide that service, guess what? Somebody else will, right? So yeah. to get on the competitive stage, we need to think about new business models as well, mm. as well as productivity and efficiency. What are the opportunities in this in this world we're in and how do we market those? And if you start to move into those more service based approaches, which is what mm. what you're alluding to there, Jan, mm. it's not unusual, right? Let's think of Aerospace, Rolls Royce, you know, power by the hour. Yeah. There's lots of examples, the big and the small, if you like, around that way of working. Uh, actually, you need to understand your information and act on that information, and, and automate a lot of that. So those those capabilities, like uh, you know, like Internet Things and sensors on your tractor or your your machinery, are a fundamental part of that play. And that's where that platform comes in, if you like, to kind of enable that. So yeah, it's a, it's a great example about expect expectations driving demand driving different models and different ways of operating
0: yeah absolutely and um and i guess you you touched on it a bit earlier on but that that's around you know the whole integrated nature now of the supplier network and how that's going to work and of course you know we keep banging on about it and and but but i think the pandemic has shown us you know a, a huge need to understand more about the supply chain get greater visibility but you're only going to get visibility of the supply chain if you've got a a network of suppliers that are connected to one another and then you get the trust element that comes into that as well. So, uh, you know, are, are you seeing uh, a focus on that that network supplier approach?
1: We, we are, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I think all these things that they they come with adoption challenges, don't we? Yeah. Mm. But but that that connected supply chain and, and and all that means, you know, we mentioned. About specialization of products. I I mentioned the Tempest program before, you Mm. know, that the the AE are are heavily involved in, for example, which is, you know, coming, you know, coming to to be a live program from 2025. But, um, you know, the, the, the model's changing and there'll be all sorts of variations of that platform and capability. That's a complex supply chain across hundreds of suppliers. And let's face yeah. it, a lot of those suppliers will be very small mm. suppliers. So, so how do you, you know, how, how do you sort of solve that problem? And, you know, we need to be much more connected. So we definitely are seeing that adoption, uh, if you like. But we're also seeing that organizations like the high-value manufacturing catapults, you um, you know, need to support that onboarding journey, mm. you know, because, because how do you onboard, you know, how how do you enable these organizations to embrace that capability? How do you mitigate the risk? How do you drive awareness, right. Etc. Yep. Etc. et cetera? So, in fact, in the UK at the moment, there's – you may be aware of this, Jan. And certainly, uh, your listeners may be uh, made smarter. You know, there's there's all sorts of programmes, but Mean and Made Smarter is a significant mm. uh, sort of umbrella uh, sort of programme, really driving uh, digital leadership and uh, awareness and adoption of industrial digital technology and all the things that are required to kind of generate adoption. And there's a program running at the moment. It's around um, uh, smart factories. It's called the Digital Innovation Program, and that program is is entirely about driving adoption into supply right. chain and into smart manufacturing. Mm. And it's providing a number of test beds. Um, initially, with it, we're in a pilot phase as this podcast goes out, Jeremy, but the wider program kicks in from uh, August, September time, 21. But there's a number of test beds that, that really can kind of manifest some of the use cases that we've been talking about, some of the... You know, heavy simulation. How do you simulate things before you commission right. a capital-intensive project? How do you, uh, how do you condition, monitor, and how do you, how do you perform predictive maintenance of your assets yep. in your factory floor? How does supply chain work? So there's a number of test beds that allow organisations, end users, but also technology providers, technology providers where they want to try out some new capability before they launch it to market. Okay. Yep. but end users, because end users are saying of all shapes and sizes, well, all this is great and I want to get on board and I want to do this but I don't know where to start mm. and actually where, where do I put my money and how do I mitigate the risk? So there are these programs that are really helping organizations try before they buy, yep. you know, raise awareness, orientate themselves, try that use case out that is very appropriate to them and that will hopefully then give them the kind of sort of starting point for the journey moving forward. So there's different interventions that, to be fair to UK government and industry, you know, mm. we're performing. Now, I know your podcast goes out probably internationally, Jaron, as well, but that's a sense of what the UK are doing at the moment to help with adoption. And I know there's a lot of technology organizations like Oracle, SAP, you know, Accenture, Microsoft, the hyperscalers as well. Mm. I think there's much more altruistic nature around how they partner and how they work with academia and startups and yep. catapults really to kind of really enable that Innovation to be innovation at scale and new products and services to market to that adoption journey as well. So there's a lot of interventions to sort of help organisations get on board and orientate themselves well and kind of accelerate their journey. But, yeah, there's some great technology out there to utilise. It's how do we use it and how do we use it quickly and effectively. It's
0: the old chestnut, isn't it? And, and it's interesting what you say about uh, – and, and there is a lot more focus now um, by – yeah, IT companies, both both from an SI perspective, those those sort of software vendors, even the end users to be to be more social centric, I think in in their approach. Um, yes, they're all there to to serve their uh, shareholders, but but fundamentally, how can they do that in a in a way that's um, you know kind of the environment uh, and a win win for all parties, really? And I think that's a that's a significant step, really.
1: It, it, it is absolutely you know you, you alluded to sustainability i think we, mm. we, we of course we all need to be sustainable in all its senses so yep. social awareness is a big thing you know job creation and actually we know that that some of the skills are in short supply as well so mm. we need to be able to augment the workforce yep. uh but but also tr- tr- train up the capabilities. so i think you know, people, end users' mindset needs to be about you know how do we how do we fulfil the short term gap and how do we bridge that and then how do we adopt some of these things quickly? And it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I think um, I think manufacturing is a little bit later to the game in terms of cloud adoption than let's say other organisations, mm. uh, but but it's happening. But I think that speed of adoption. Yep. Um, Some of the things I mentioned, some of the people process challenges are are, are a significant part of it and skills are. But, you know, then how do you quickly, quickly adopt things and deploy things is another fundamental part of it. But it just feels now there's a lot of, a lot of capability out there and, and actually, Even things like, you know, the old conversations about, well, if it's in the cloud and the public cloud, how secure really is it? You know, I mean, to be honest with you, if if the hyperscalers and some of the organizations we've alluded to aren't solving those problems, not a lot of people can, right? They've got a massive resource into making sure that that information that we're talking about, which is powering that transformation, is, is so secure and kind of compliant within all the considerations, right, as well. So, you know, that, that's a fundamental consideration, but a key part of that kind of core that we're, uh, we're
0: alluding to, really. So, Barry, um, I, I'm conscious of time, um, what, what are the three pieces of advice that you, you would give to manufacturers then? that sat out here listening to this perhaps um, and, and you know, coming to you indeed in your current role and saying, okay, you know, what, 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 what are the three things I should be thinking about?
1: So I, th- I think kind of get inquisitive really because, hmm. you know, you could say, well, you know, I, in my sector we're, we're okay at the moment or, or or it's flat so I don't need to act yet. Yeah, I, think, I think get inquisitive. Use the time you've got to either... Get ready, you know, for for, yeah. for change or or start to adopt things quickly because you're just in a very fluid marketplace. I think getting inquisitive is is one key piece of information. I think to support the getting inquisitive, we need to turn that into action. I think the ecosystem, you know, we're all we're all part of an ecosystem, right? Technology providers, startups, academia, high value manufacturing catapults. You know, and, you know it, 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 There's an ecosystem out there i think we need to form links right with that ecosystem and start to start start to use that to accelerate our journey mm. not just promoting the high value manufacturing catapult but but by example that's a great place to go It's a one-stop shop. It doesn't actually cost anything to go and visit some of these people. And they can really start to point you in the right direction, start to show you things that will inspire your journey and also enable adoption at speed. So I think there's that kind of ecosystem thing really as well. But in all this, you know, there needs to be a sense of urgency as well and actually taking that step. Um, So I think it's really about, about starting something, if you like, being aware of a possible end goal, but, but starting something. But, you know, there is, there are going to be decisions along the way and it needs to be bedded into to, to, to the business case. But like I say, maybe a fourth one is don't get stuck on the shiny proof of concepts because there's a lot of those in the world today. You know, we need to, we need to drive scale. And there are people out there that can kind of really enable that scale for the right reasons.
0: And and I'm going to go back because I I said finally, but, you know, in in that, we we, we touched upon it earlier as well. We mentioned change. Now, change for manufacturers has never been something that's easy. I mean, traditionally, you know, manufacturers had, you know, factories with huge machines uh, that were put in place at great cost, and they ran and ran and ran for years and years and years, and product development didn't happen quickly. Are you seeing that change now in, in the manufacturing sector uh one that is driven by their desire to change or are they being forced into it or a combination of both
1: yeah i go back to my first point really i think that, that there's definitely a desire for, for all sorts of reasons Where, wherever you are in the world there's definitely a desire you know the, the, the market is changing changing quickly you know mm. we need to be able to. You know, I mentioned creating specializations market of one. You know, for 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 products. You know, to to a market. Um, if if you're not careful, that's a very difficult process to reconfigure your operations. Yep. You know, train up your workforce, uh, mm. deploy your workforce, and with all the constraints we've now got around social distancing and you know, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So, so I think for all sorts of reasons, you know. Um, uh, you know, manufacturers, supply chain providers uh, are more interested in ever, and actually, there's real action taking place. So, mm. we, we we are seeing that, and I think it's a really exciting, uh, you know, world to be. In. I think it's very, very pivotal. So, so, so we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that change now, really, in that adoption. I think as well, you know, you can't just, you know, like I say you can't just deploy things in the hope that it'll be valuable. Mm. Uh, I was talking to one of. Um, uh, the MTC's uh, clients recently, who heads up a SME, is the managing director of an aerospace company, and they've uh, they've adopted a you know a robot. And actually, there was a lot of resistance to, to, to robotics for all because actually yeah. they just did what they did, yep. and they churned out the the components, and and it was a great business. But all of a sudden, the world's changed, and they need to look at things in a different way. Mm. So, amongst other things, they're looking at automating some of the production and retraining some of the workforce in different areas. Right. And actually, it's kind of interesting how, how they thought about that. You know, they're even talking about and joking about furloughing the robot. You know, so actually <laughs> the robotics has become part of the culture rather than a yeah. this kind of intrusion, if you like. So I think we're seeing a real cultural change uh, along with the shift and the kind of impetus that we've been talking about. So uh, it's an exciting time, like I say, to be in – Uh, manufacturing and all the sort of surrounding kind of capabilities around it. Um, It needs to be much more integrated, you know, manufacturing to the supply chain, manufacturing to the sales workforce and, 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 and the customer demand, that whole, you know, horizontal connectivity and integration is so important as well as that vertical integration from your machines to your people to your enterprise systems. so we're seeing big drive if you like to start to connect those dots up to kind of realize that opportunity and overcome some of those barriers and challenges
0: absolutely and and also um, a a greater desire particularly for those manufacturers providing sort of one-off high-end pieces of machinery assets where where the market seems to be going everything is is bought as a as a service rather than buying the physical asset
1: yeah, that, that's a big shift, isn't it? D- different business models uh, <clears throat> is a big shift, and we'll see more and more of that. It's not ripe for every industry. You know, no. f- food production, for example, has got maybe workforce and, and, and automation considerations and health and safety, but absolutely, that that is a ripe uh, kind of area. And if we talk about, you know, competitiveness and competitiveness in the global market, if you're a manufacturer, if you're looking at your business and your sales model and that channel, you have to be thinking about some of those things, right? And then yep. how do you – what capabilities do you need to kind of enable that mm. and the steps along the way there? So, yeah, the different sort of service models and business models is a massive change, and it'll all be technology-enabled, right? It, it Yeah, it just works.
0: completely. Yeah. Barry, look, thank you. I'm conscious you didn't have a great deal of time, and I'm really uh, thankful that you, you find the time to free up to speak to me this morning. Um, thank you very much indeed, and hopefully we can have you on again at some point in the future.
1: It's been a pleasure, Jaron. Thanks for your time as well.
0: Thanks, Barry.